Welcome, and thank you for joining me. My name is Kareem Kanji, and this is episode 31. Today's episode, really excited to bring it to you. Uh, this gentleman has done everything from uh, heading up promotions at the Edge 102.1 in, here in Toronto to heading up digital marketing for the Leafs, uh, Raptors, and TFC, and now he's head of marketing of the Beer Fest here in Toronto. Good friend of mine, John Sinden. Hope you enjoy this conversation. Live from Pacific Junction Hotel, Girth Radio in session. Afterwards, I do. You'll put it in afterwards? Yeah, yeah, I'll put it in afterwards. Okay, so uh, let's pretend it's on right now because yeah. you're going to put it on and it might be on right this second. Yeah, yeah the music will okay. be on. Wow, that's a good theme. <laughs> that's a good song. Man. You like it, eh? Yeah, man. So you make my, that? my cousin made it. Oh. Yeah, he goes to music school out east somewhere. Then kudos to your cousin. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate that. Big, sh- big shouts out. Big the, shouts out. As the kids. Is that what the kids are saying? Uh, what are you drinking? It's collective arts. And That's now a that brewery out of uh, Hamilton. Okay. That's called Ransack the Universe. Awesome. And and, and is that? Uh, I have no clue, Bob. Is that a hoppy beer? Is mm-hmm. it? It's hoppy. Yeah. yeah. It's a. I think it's an IPA. I don't know, but it sure tastes like it is. And it tastes good. Yeah. And it's refreshing. And it's uh, you know it's a cool brewery. They do some cool things and and uh, it's a great time to be a beer drinker. It is. Yeah. I'm guessing. It is. <laughs> well, I mean, all these beer fests, and, and you play a big role in that locally here. Yeah. Um, but, but just breweries opening. Every week, a new brewery, brewery opening. Yeah. There's new beer. They're all trying stuff. You know, some are keeping it simple, plain and simple kind of ales, and, and some are blueberry, vanilla, milk, stout, like just the craziest things, and, and that's what I love. I love the experimental. I love trying stuff. Nice. But enough about my beer taste. Yeah. I've been trying to get you on a show since like forever. Yeah. Well, we've known each other a long time yeah. in, in, I guess, in, in the in, digital world. In digital years. Yeah. It's like uh, in dog years. We grew years. up together. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I right. remember you when you were, yeah. when you were yeehaw. Yeah, that's true. But um, no, thank you for your time. I yeah. know you're, you're a busy guy. You're a family man. You've got, I don't know, three dogs, five kids, <laughs> and you are a, a community maven mover and shaker out in the junction or something like that something like that yeah um but in all honesty i i uh you are like from where i am sitting um and i don't want to see you're one of the top digital thinkers because i think digital puts you in a a smaller box than i think what you've worked in but i think you've taken advantage of that but you're i see you as connecting media broadcast social digital like all across it's all about getting the message out and connecting people yeah that's that's fair i i always thought um i always thought that when people worked and they say they they say something like oh, i work in social media yeah i think oh that's just no you don't you you're so much you know that's a spoke in the wheel yeah and uh and i feel that the same with digital in fact it, m- many you know you know when you hear about uh is that, is that a phone ringing? What is that? Oh, so many people are trying to get in touch. Well, you're a popular guy, <laughs> man. Yeah. You're like at least in the top five most popular Kareem's. Ca- <laughs> yeah. Kareem's, I know. Fair, fair yeah. enough. At least top five. Fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Um, so part of the show, John, is is really, you know, this, this show, if, if we want to call it that, is really conversations. Yeah, sure. And... One of the reasons why I wanted to do this was I really wanted to find out people's journey to where they are now, some of the cool and interesting things that they've done. And if I brand this uh, program in any way, the, really it's interesting conversations with interesting people. Um, so let's start back. I guess I'm just here to fill some time while, while, so, while, while an interesting person while shows up. Comes, <laughs> 
We're, we're testing the board to see yeah, whether yeah, it sounds yeah, yeah. good. This is all a, a beta. Um, <laughs> but in 1996, you started in radio um, at, uh, I think, a jazz station. What were you doing before that? Because you were in radio for a long time. Yeah, my actually my first radio job was at a radio station called Classical ninety six FM. Ninety six FM. That was my first like paid gig, mm-hmm. and I was it was right out of school. And you know, in radio school, there's an old adage where you have to leave to come back. Yes, you yes. have to go to campus casing to work your way back. Yeah, and like I, small market to big market, small to medium to big. Yeah, and then. Um, you know, you'll be unhappy and you'll get paid really poorly yeah. from s- the whole time. But why not just go experience it in a small market first? <laughs> yeah. And then experience poor pay and <laughs> lousy leadership in a medium market. <laughs> and then move on to a large market where you'll experience the exact same thing. Okay. Um, but the, Is the this whole- a commentary on? Yeah, well, I mean, it's just a, like a, you know, most most industries have that thing like, like um, the the uns, unspoken rules, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. And one of them in radio is you have to leave to come back. And I lucked out. I um, in in college, I took the last. Um, I had seven hundred fifty dollars in a bank account. This was I was going to Humber College. You've always wanted to do radio. Uh, yeah, back then. Yeah, in my in my high school yearbook, uh, you know how you some people le- like have like really witty quotes and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I said I wanted to work at Q one hundred seven. That's really? what's in my high school yearbook. Wow. Something along those lines. I'll pull it out one day. I think I might have the same hair. So I'll pull it out one day and we'll same have a laugh. We'll have hairs. a laugh. Yeah. No, no beard. I, no I beard saw, in grade ten. I 10. saw photos. <laughs> so you, you, I think you blogged. There's a blog entry somewhere on your website, johnsinden.com, and you've got nice hair, like really nice hair. Like I had you like and I are curls. getting older now. Yeah, yeah, yeah curls. Yeah. You had the curls. Yeah. I have this great shot when I worked at uh, Flow ninety three point five, and there was um, some sort of um, music discovery thing yeah. where Jennifer Love Hewitt was the yes. was the guest, right? Okay, and. I have this amazing picture of me and Jennifer Love Hewitt, and oh. we like we're like posing, and it looks like a kind of like a prom photo, and like an uncomfortable oh, prom. No, photo? no, totally comfortable. Oh, okay. It looks like it looks like like that's a believable couple. Well, in my eyes, <laughs> yeah, in my single solitary view. But but the thing that I remember about that picture most of all is that the cameraman who took it, I was first in line to get a picture because I was just where I was standing in the in the bar, and. The head of the record label at the time knew that I was a little bit of a fan of Jennifer, Jennifer Love Hewitt's because of Party Five and whatever else movies she had. Yeah. So she introduced me right away, and the cameraman took a picture, and then something happened to his camera, and he said, "Hold on a minute." So it was just me and her standing on this like photo area. Yeah. For I don't know, must have it felt like an eternity, but it must have been about like four or five minutes. Okay. And we were chatting, and I was trying to be as charming as possible, and she was <laughs> giggling, and laughing, and and she broke the like contact barrier and touched my arm and stuff oh my and i was like this is incredible jennifer love hewitt i'm like totally wooing jennifer love hewitt right now this is amazing and <laughs> and then 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 of course she's just being her charming self because she's does she's going on like a media tour she's just yeah. got to be nice and polite so i left when the cameraman had it all figured out and took the final photo and i left and i was walking down the street i remember it was at uh, top of the senator like the the place above the senator yeah and uh the steakhouse and I was leaving, and I went to the exit, and I looked back from the exit, and she was still looking at me. What? Even though she had to face the whole other way. So that's my Jennifer Love Hewitt story, and I was like, and I'm sticking to it. That's awesome. And I'm sticking to it. That's a beautiful story. Yeah. What could have been? Yeah, you know, she really missed out. She did. I, I got to <laughs> I tell you. That she did. But the whole idea, back to your first question, is in radio, you leave to come back. Mm-hmm. And... I took that $750, the last money I had in my bank account at the time when I was at Humber, and I made like packages of myself. So at the time, uh, it was um, some cassettes and some CDs. Okay. And I burned them. Like demo tapes. Demo tapes. I burned my demo tapes on them. I took like um, four by six headshots that I had in each package, my resume, and then I had a great story written about me in the Humber College newspaper. Uh, and I t- and I made copies of that and put it in. So I had this like kind of package, this nice. presentation about me, and I mailed them all out. 
there was at the time I think there was like 130 radio stations in Canada, something like that. I mailed them to every one of them. Wow. Ad agencies, every place you could think of. And then I had like $200 left and then I did it all again. And from that mailing, I have and I still have to this day uh, about I would say maybe 100 no thank you letters. In fact, there was a guy who I ended up working with later named JJ Johnson and I got like seven just from him. Like forum no thank you letters that he like signed, you know, yeah. we'll keep your demo on, you know, on on uh, on 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 file for the next year or something. And so I have like a stack just of him. But uh, like no thank yous. So I saw this. I was getting lots of no thank yous. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, I got a phone call from a station like Bramford or something saying, hey, yeah, we need a production guy. And it sounds like you can do production. Then I then the next day I got a phone call from. Uh, a station here in Toronto saying we need a commercial writer. Can you can you do that? And then a couple other stations were like, we're hiring salespeople. Can you do that? And then all of a sudden, this kind of one or two week window, I started getting all this amazing feedback. Yeah. And there was nothing in downtown Toronto yet, and that's what I wanted because that's where I was living. And I got a phone call from a guy named Peter Webb, who ran Classical ninety six FM in Toronto. And he said, uh, I, he called me, I went to his office, and he's a very kind of smug guy, uh, doesn't show much emotion, and he's like, uh, can you write a commercial? Like, leans right in, can you write a commercial? And I'm like, yeah, man, I can do that. He's like, can you produce a commercial? I said, yeah, I can do that. And you're so, lying with yeah, you, too. No, I, I, I kind of sort of knew, <laughs> but not really. You're right, I didn't have, like, real hands-on experience. Sure. And he... Uh, and he gave me he offered me a job right then and there and that was my first radio job with classical 96 and it was great writing I, commercials and producing commercials that's right i was there for a couple of years and i loved it uh, cuz i got to do everything uh write produce voice i i worked on the marketing and promotion end of it i worked on the sales end of it i worked on every side of it and then from that i could really make a i really make a good judgment about where i thought my career was headed yeah so what where did you th where did you did you still want to go like, did you ever want to be on air? Uh, you know, I had a little time. I had I had chances to do that. And I had a little f time to do that. And some people remember that I did that at the when I was the marketing director of the Edge for many years. Yeah. I was on the air, but just as a like on air character, okay. not really like a DJ. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, people still remind me of that t today. It's quite funny. So that was kind of fun, and that's kind of the way I liked it because I didn't being on air is a real tough thing. As we're talking into microphones right yeah. now. But it's a really tough thing. Like you're sitting empty, dark room, pretending that you're talking to you know hundreds of potentially hundreds of thousands of people and trying to make it inclusive and that is tough. And, and, and yeah, and it's really tough. And most radio DJs I know are most of them I know are all really good people, but also are kind of cut from the same cloth. They're not, they prefer like not big crowds and you know they can talk to. 20,000 ears at one moment, but yeah. would rather sit in a room with only one person instead of like going out and being surrounded by hundreds of thousands of people. It's kind of like an insular personality type, if you can believe it. it so you leave, did you go straight to Flow? No, I worked in the, in the meantime at a PR firm. Oh. I just didn't really know what I was kind of doing and it was kind of fun. You left. You, did you leave classical radio? Or? Uh, where did I go? Wow, you're you're stretching. You I should have done my homework here. Um, like, w did you walk out or were you pushed out? Oh no, I went to. You know where I went? I went to I Magazine. Okay. And I sold space, like print space, at I Magazine, and I found I wasn't very good at it. I was selling and meeting the required stuff, but I just wasn't. I was always trying to do it too big. Okay. Like some guy just wants a quarter page ad and i'm like no you got to buy into this like promotion we're gonna do this we're gonna throw a, something off the scene tower we're gonna do that you know we're gonna do all these <laughs> that things that sounds like you <laughs> and that yeah that and that's where i kept going towards yeah. this other route and uh, and then i realized it from my radio experience that that was what a promotion or marketing director did in a radio station was that guy yeah so then i tried to find that role again and then milestone radio which was what flow was called before flow it was like the parent company mm -hmm. They got a license after, you know, years and years of hard work, um, and they got a license, and they, uh, you know, were going to be staffing a radio station, like a brand new signal in Toronto at 93.5, and for some, I didn't know how, but I, I just knew I needed to be a part of it, 
And funny enough, the PR firm I was working at, very small independent boutique a- agency, they were, they were approached to be the PR firm for Milestone Radio. Yes. They ended up not, not getting the business, but I ended up meeting every I, or everyone, the two people who worked there at yeah. the at the time. And when they were looking for somebody to to you know, because most people who worked there weren't radio people they were just people who have helped get the radio license they weren't from a radio background Mm -hmm. and uh so that's where it worked out really well for me they needed kind of a radio mind or or that kind of creative mind on on that project and there i was nice and what was your role there what did you end up doing i was the promotion director um and you know i created the street team and the you know with help from the digital department all those guys uh websites and email databases stuff like that was just starting to yeah. to resonate and to happen and all the contests and the weird stuff you heard on the radio that was you know kind of my you know from my camp yeah. and uh and then there's another saying in radio where if somebody leaves one job to another they they say uh you know he or she crossed the street or they crossed the street to go over to work at whatever and I literally crossed the street from 211 Young Street to 1 yeah. Dundas for The Edge when for I started working there. Yeah. Nice. Now, well, what kind of promotions were you running? Like, what, what sort of activations I remember the, that you remember that were really, oh, really cool? Geez. I mean, we, we did a few that were, like, thrown into award things. Like, um, the very first contest the f- Flow 93.5 ever did was called What Will You Do for Badu? I'll never forget this because Erica Badu was coming to to Molson Amphitheater or something, and we just wanted to hear you know what people would do for tickets, and so people would call and get their like fifteen minutes of fame and say some ridiculous things or sing or dance or take photo, do silly things and get rewarded with with um, with tickets. Yeah, and it hit me right away that content was the. We weren't calling it. We call it content now, and it's buzzy, and we say it all the time, but yeah. that's not what it was called then. It was just called, like, stuff, like doing things, <laughs> right? So at the time, I learned right away that it's more about the audience entertaining the audience. Mm. You know, I always like to say in the – in I don't even know because I don't watch it anymore, but the example I used to give was The Amazing Race. Yeah. I don't even know what they win in the end, if it's cash or I don't even know a car. I don't know what they win in the end. But isn't it entertaining to watch them get to the end? Yeah. I don't know what they win. Regular people like you and I. Yeah. And that that kind of, you know, we were doing that stuff before that reality TV craze started and all that stuff in radio. And then I started realizing I'm kind of handcuffed in the format I'm in because it's only it's not kind of out there enough. You know, it just wasn't, uh, just felt like it wasn't, uh, it was a good fit for me personally. I got, we got along with everybody and everything was great, but I just felt like uh, I could exercise uh, the, uh, the kind of creativeness needed somewhere else. And then I got a bigger fo- budgets, bigger budgets, bigger yeah, yeah, and bigger sport team. Yeah. You know, it's kind of, if you thought of it, uh, if at Flow, if you thought of it, you kind of had to do it. And instead, you know, like, <laughs> oh, you thought of that? Great. Get on it. Yeah. Right out the plan. <laughs> and here, you know, I I was looking for like a bigger step, and and in North American radio, the Edge was always known as a real creative um, place for that role. Yeah. And uh, the person who um, I forget his name right now, but he the guy who did it before me there left, and they had like a big going away party and the whole bit. And then a guy, another guy, phoned me, a guy named Elliot, who used to run. Um, House of Blues concerts here and a part of Live Nation back yeah, in the yeah. day. And Elliot calls me up and he said, you know, The Edge is looking for someone and it's kind of sounds perfect for you. If you want, I'll call them and tell them that you're the, you're perfect. And I said, that's great. I didn't know they were looking. It's not like they posted a job or anything, right? And, uh, and I said, that'd be great. And so he did. And then I got a phone call from a couple guys at The Edge. One of them, a guy named Dave Farrow, who's the guy who uh, ended up hiring me there who was the boss uh, for there for many years, really terrific guy too. He calls me up, says, let's eat lunch. And we're just sitting like you and I are sitting right now, just having this great lunch. And I wasn't sure it was going terribly well (laughs) because he was always saying like, you know, he was almost challenging me how creative I can be right in this moment with him. And I was just thinking, just testing. Yeah. And I was just thinking, I just want my like Caesar salad. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, 
I just want to eat. Like, I'm actually hungry. <laughs> like, I didn't eat, and I came here to eat. So I wasn't sure it was going 100% well, but there was one moment in particular, and this is kind of a lesson that I like to share, or I used to like to share with young broadcasters, that there was a table behind us, and the lady sat down and put her coat up, like, on the back of the seat. Yeah, yeah. And as Dave and I were just, you know, talking, out of the corner of my eye, I see her jacket falls. So I don't make a big deal of it. I just kind of lean over, grab her jacket, put it back up. And she notices me doing it as I'm done it. And I said, your jacket just fell. I put it back up. And she's like, oh, thanks. And that was it. Never really thought about it again. And then, you know, a month later, I get offered the job at the Edge. This is like the big place for a guy like me. This is like the top of the food chain. And uh, he said, you know what really sold me is when you picked up that lady's coat off the ground at it was mr green jeans at the time in uh in the center Center, yeah Yeah, yeah. and uh i said really i don't really even remember that like really like it wasn't my (laughs) it wasn't my charm or my (laughs) skill or my knowledge you know and you know he was a really cool leader he's really good to me and you know showed me how to how to make those types of decisions because i was still super young and and I was, you know, in charge of a big budget and lots of people, yeah. some people much older than me. So, I, you know, I needed that help to, I needed a guy like him to uh, kind of show me the way. Nice. I thought you were going to say that that lady was the uh, owner of the radio station. <laughs> no, but I was at a Jays game once and I caught, it wasn't technically a foul ball because it was just outfielders playing catch. Yeah, yeah. So an outfielder threw it to the other outfielder and it kind of hit the top of his glove and like went into, and I was in like the fifth row or something. And it came like soaring in and I barehanded it, caught it. I was really proud of myself. Kind of stood up and showed yeah. everybody and they're all, like all cheering. cheering. Yeah. Yep. And we were there. It was a flow event. Okay. Right. And we were there with like four rows of flow people. But there was like an older lady sitting in front of me who was still like ducking, hiding, thinking the ball was going to like hit her. Yeah. So as I was like showing off the ball, I still realized she's like still down, like yeah. duck and cover. And I said, it's okay. Like it's it's over. The ball's, you're not going to get hit anymore. She's like, great. We, we chatted a bit and then ended up giving her the ball. Yeah. And we had a laugh and that was kind of the last I thought of it. And then, you know, maybe six months later, I'm in with Denim Jolly, the guy who, you know, you know, the guy behind Flow 93.5. Mm-hmm. And he was the president of the station. And he said, uh, out of the blue one day, like months later, he goes, oh, I heard you met, uh, uh, let's call her Edna. I heard you met Edna. And I'm like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, Blue Jay game. You gave her a ball. And I'm like, oh, the older lady who I gave the ball. And she, yeah, I remember. He goes, then he says, that was the lady who raised me oh my goodness uh like in jamaica i I don't know i don't really remember the story but that's the lady who like not my true mother or father but the lady who helped raise me uh wherever he grew up and i was like you know that's you just you know great (laughs) like that's awesome because i did something i thought really nice for her but i wasn't thinking about it at that time yeah thinking of the reciprocity of it. no it doesn't even didn't even matter yeah just she was afraid and then she wasn't afraid anymore and then she got the ball so good for her and so it all comes around right nice Mm -hmm. uh when you were at the edge was it called the edge yeah um were you in the humble and fred era or the dean blundell era yeah dean uh i started uh, like just a couple months after the dean blundell show started okay Awesome. So I knew I met Humble and Fred because okay. they were at 640. They moved uh, like internally. Hog or what no, was it? it was 640. It was called AM 640 then. Okay. Uh, or maybe. Was that Guys Radio? Yeah, or yeah Mojo Radio. Mojo Radio. Mm-hmm. That's right. Maybe it was that. I, yeah, I don't yeah, really you're remember. Right. It was. Uh, same family though? Yeah, it was okay. all in the same building. Same yeah, with yeah. Q107. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Nice. Um, and how was the the edge? You were there for many years. I was there for about six years. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, that was awesome. Like the guy who I mentioned before, Dave, he hired me, and he said, "Here's all, here's the here's a f- your job's simple. This is all you need to do. <laughs> um, make sure everyone in the city is talking about these guys, the morning show. All right. Make sure everyone's talking about them. Yeah. And um, do the things that you've always wanted to do." That's all he said. So, like, just the morning show? Is it well, like the morning show, so, you know, that's the quarterback, right? Like, okay. in, in old older school radio, you know, from a decade ago, that's all that mattered. You had good ratings in the morning. It trickled on to the rest of the day. Okay. 
Awesome. Um, what were some of the interesting campaigns you ran there? Oh, every everything we did. I mean, we fought. We fired Dean a couple times as a promotion. Um, that was like it was all. Yeah, I hate to I hate to pull the the curtain, but everything was staged. Everything you've ever heard. Um, so, what else did we do? The stuff I'm I was really proud of is like we the the content play. We started, you know, it was Dean, Jason, and Todd, and I found out really early. You know, Dean was kind of the quarterback. Jason was kind of the the sense of um, the moral compass. Yeah. And he, yeah, but he probably hated to call him that because he's not re- like that. He's just kind of, you know, he, he, they're all, you know, really good guys. I don't talk to Dean anymore, but I do talk to um, Jason every now and then online. And Todd, I see quite, quite, quite often. So, good guys. The, the t- seeing Todd, for me, Todd was when I started there. Todd was retod. And everybody made okay. fun. Everybody made fun of him, and right. he was like a whipping boy. Yeah. And I saw him as much more than that. I, you know, he was just so funny, and he was like, "You can't do that anymore, though." No, it like was. It's. it's, it's te- it was terrible. Time. It's totally different time. Yeah. But I didn't see him as the whipping boy. I saw him as like the like the narrator of the show. If Dean's the quarterback and Jason's the moral center, I saw Todd as almost like the narrator of the funny. Mm-hmm. So. I just worked really hard with Todd and the guys to put him on that pedestal. So when listeners did stuff, Todd was narrating that stuff. You know, like we have this kind of f- famous incident where whenever we were kind of stuck for an idea, we would send Todd and whatever we were conjured up that day outside of um, outside of uh, breakfast television. Okay. Right? Because they had windows to the street and we'd yeah. interrupt it, yeah. right? So, you know, one contest in particular... We had somebody dress up in like a mouse costume, right. right? Like a giant mouse costume, and Todd had these big foam bats, and he was just like chasing the mouse around, trying to trying to get the mouse. But in the background, <laughs> while they're reading the news and traffic on <laughs> breakfast television, and we would do that all the time. I still have the video of it somewhere, and we would get like they would hate us, right? So we'd get letters from the presidents of their companies saying, you know, if you don't stop doing this, but we're on public space, not doing anything, but they couldn't find a good camera angle to not get it in. And then on the radio the whole time, we're talking about it in like live action, saying, yeah. saying, uh, Todd, yeah, yeah, to the left, to the left, no, to the right, to the right, like telling them where to go. And it was like, it made for amazing radio, but really like, if you were just watching Breakfast Television that morning, you saw this mayhem what in behind. Going on? Yeah, like it was really funny. We would be crying, laughing every time we did it, and then we'd get, you know, we'd get that. Please stop doing it. And then um, I remember somebody important, like a pr- president of radio or something, said to me once, "Well, what should we do? Because every time you guys do something, they uh, they complain." And I said, "Man, we talked about Breakfast Television for like three hours this morning." You should send him an invoice. And sure enough, he sends him a no. he sends him an invoice. <laughs> here's here's your invoice for three hours of radio time. And we never heard we did it uh, you know a dozen more times and we never heard never heard back from him. Um, radio's changed from back in the day, and it's not so long ago. Yeah. Um, what's changed? Is it just technology? Different places where people can discover and listen to music. Yeah, it's 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 totally like I I haven't listened to the radio in I can't even think of how long a long long time. Really? I have satellite radio in the car, but I never I never drive, so Yeah. podcasts, music, that's about it. The the trouble or the challenge that radio will face or it has been facing and hasn't really been addressing um I remember sitting in my office and it, it was at Young and Dundas and it was on the 16th floor and it had big giant windows and I'm looking out the windows. And I used to always, I used to always think like, you know, I had a guitar in my office. I had stuff everywhere and, and I'd always grab the guitar, look at the window and like, just try to think of something, you, you know, those, guitar? those are the times. Yeah. Terribly though. So those were the times and the moments where I would try to get that kind of next big idea. And it hit me like a ton of bricks one day that I didn't listen to the radio. I worked in a radio station, and I didn't listen to the radio station. 
Now, people, when they work in media or they work anywhere, like, honestly, um, are you that proud that you work at FreshBooks, that you wear a FreshBooks hoodie every single day? Like, th just think about it for sure, a second. fair enough. Like, it's very rare. And now in the brewery, when I work with brewers, brewers, anybody who works at a brewery rocks their brewery stuff all day. Yeah. Like, if I'm not wearing this hat, I'm wearing this hoodie or this T-shirt. It's just a thing people do. Yeah. And in radio, the equivalent to that would be listening to the, your radio station. Yeah. And I just kind of fell out of love with it, like, in an afternoon. It just hit me like a ton of bricks. And it felt like I was on the Titanic, and there's the iceberg. And the iceberg was this digital shift in technology and how consumers actually consume. And I could see it coming. Yeah. And a couple other people I worked with, they could see it coming. But radio as an industry as a whole, and that's a very general statement because there's a lot of smart people there and still the smart people today. But the... I, I felt like people weren't seeing it or addressing it. Mm -hmm. And immediately I had the ability to, there was 53 chorus radio stations. And, uh, and that moment, my idea was I need to get them all on a conference call, which we did every now and then. And I need to tell them that this is coming because it hit me right now. I see it. I see it. I, uh, the, I, the iPod was just kind of introduced. Um, Facebook was steamrolling. It was becoming something. At the time, MySpace was still kind of something, and and you know in two thousand eight or so, like t like Twitter reared its head. Like there was these things that were popping up that mm -hmm. that just felt like I'm everything's changing, and the thing that's not changing is the industry we're in right now. So you know I got fifty three radio people on the phone from coast to coast, chorus stations, and I just said the digital wave is coming. And uh, we all need to prepare ourselves. And, and you know, I gave, I used to call, I used to get on that conference call and, and, and talk about crazy ideas sometimes. And I felt like most of them thought this was just one of those crazy ideas. Oh, he's going to, he's going to send, you know, send someone to the moon. Yeah. What, you know, send someone to Mars. Yeah. Uh, no, that's not it. There's a shift in technology. Every consumer we know today, their lifestyle is going to dramatically change over the next six weeks six months and six years and it's going to be unrecognizable in in five years i was at canadian music week that year and i had a little panel discussion where i was like the host the, the kind of lead of it and i asked um i asked people in the room like the whole theme of the the presentation was in five to ten years and i didn't think you know my my thing was in five to ten years they're not going to be people who work in radio stations that pick music the music's going to be picked itself you know, the, the audience will pick it. And now, of course, we know it's called, you know, crowdsourcing. Yeah. But at that time, I'm not sure it had a there name. Wasn't a word for it. So it's like in five to 10 years, uh, everything's going to change. In five to 10 years, my last line of the presentation, which I'll always remember, uh, which people got up and walked out on me. That's how, that's how terrible of a public speaker <laughs> I am. But in five to 10 years, radio stations will be um, shoddy audio signals on great websites. And that's, huh. that's how I see a radio station, a real content-fueled, dynamic website full of content, relatable content to an audience. And it doesn't have to all be music. And that's the mistake radio used to always make. It's music, music, music. It's much more than that. It's lifestyle. It's everything. And uh, the radio station is just going to be a, like a terrible audio signal. That's what I thought anyways. And, and you're, you're almost right about that. Well, that would be five years ago yeah like yeah. the five to ten years would have ended like now, now yeah, yeah yeah and and what do we have we have radio that's pre-programmed yeah a lot of that right there's the thing like no one's spinning anything no one's choosing their own music yeah anywhere like i don't know anyone there might be a a um a show that it's someone's favorite music or something like that but otherwise no one is sort of playing their own tunes I just don't see how it's even possible um, if it's not some sort of content that touches one of those pillars, makes you laugh, makes you cry, kind of emotionally connects with you. How can playing a few songs mm -hmm. interrupted by commercials and playing a few more songs, all things that I didn't choose, how can that be engaging to Why an audience? Why would someone want to listen to that? It doesn't even make any sense. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious. Like if you invented radio today yeah. and said, here's my startup, I'm calling it radio. Look, everybody, here's what it's going to be. I'm going to play the things that a computer algorithm tells me to play. And 
I'm going to interrupt those things with commercials that you would just fast forward through when you're PVRing your favorite show. How do you, how would that even, it's not, would it get it's funding? not sustain. No, it, would, it totally wouldn't. <laughs> it's like sugar. People say if sugar was uh, today invented today, yeah. it wouldn't be uh, approved. Wouldn't be funded. <laughs> Gotta have some chocolate every now and then. Yeah, Come on. That's true. Yeah. Chocolate's different. Um, <laughs> the role of the DJ. Yeah. That's changed. Like outside of talk radio, no one's talking anymore. Yeah, I d- for me it was all about. But back in the day when I was at the edge, and to a certain extent at Flow, the most single most important thing to me was the stuff between the records, as we as they would say then. Yeah. And it was what we were talking about and what we were driving people to and what we were leading the charge on. And now, I you know I don't know. Like I'm not listening like how I used to consume radio. But it's, you know, they fall into a trap. Time, temperature, those things that, uh, you know, I don't even know. Like, I can't even really speak on it today because I don't know. Okay. Uh, all I know is that it changed. I didn't see the industry changing. I needed to change. I needed to go find the industry that would. I was like in a passionate love affair with radio. And then in an instant, yeah. I fell out of love. And then I needed to go find the next, the next uh, thing cool. to kind of fall for. I want to get into that next thing, but I have to ask you. Um, Dean Blundell is very polarizing, it seems. Yeah. People either like him or they hate him. Yeah. Um, do you, have people pegged him wrong? Is is there like I don't know. Whatever you what think. Uh, well, what, you know, I'm comfortable talking about him because you know we got along really. We made, we created like we broke records for ratings. You know what I mean? Like we yeah. created some great stuff together. I've heard a lot of these stories too. I know what happened, what or I, I read about what happened um, when they the the edge finally parted ways. Now he's got a thing going on another station. That's great. Like the one thing I wish for is any person in broadcasting is to remain employed. That's like the top the yeah. top thing. Whether you're an That's idiot a or not, thing these days. yeah. Just I wish for you to remain employed because getting let go and getting fired. I mean, it's very traumatic, and I don't want people like I'd rather people on earth don't experience that sure you know i experienced it it really sucked uh you know people take experiences differently some people let it beat them up their whole life some people just bounce right back and you know everyone is different now specific to dean i mean i felt like we got along pretty well when we worked together uh the second you know we stopped working together there's just no there's no relationship so i can't speak to a relationship that doesn't exist sure now i've kept in touch a little bit like i said before with Jay, the other two members of the show and you know i played hockey on J- jason ran a hockey team for many years i played on his team even after i was not working at the edge so you know that speaks volumes of a guy like him mm-hmm. you know and that's just who who you know who these guys are is D, you know if I was, I don't think, you know, I'd be invited to a, a dean if he had a big celebratory event next week. Yeah. But, you know, I obviously wish him the best. I don't want him to go through anything bad and believe what you what you want about him. You're, you know what? Everything said about him, it's probably all partially true. Yeah. And then you can formulate your own opinion from that. Do I think he's, you know, does he fall into those buckets of... Um, of uh, does he hate women? Does he hate this ca- group or that group? I don't even know. I my gut's telling me that he he probably probably even will change his mind <laughs> if if he's hating on something. He might change his mind halfway through yeah. as long as he thinks because his main thing is he just wants to create compelling content. Yeah, and compelling not to make you think, but to make you you know. It's not to it's not to make you a better person, expand your mind. Fair it's enough. to get an uh, evoke an emotion out of you. Yeah. So he's going to take the stand of I hate X or I hate Y just so you get it, your emotions get evoked yeah. out of it. And that's what he does, and he does it pretty well. I mean, I think that speaks volumes. Like we not we don't we don't talk. Sure. And so you can draw your own uh, conclusions there. But like I said, he was we worked we made some really cool stuff together. Nice. You leave for what I would say, and I think you said it too while you were while you were there, like li- like the best job in the world. Well, lots of people say that. Yeah, about yeah. where they are. Yeah, fair enough. How can you not? Yeah. What, what's the alternative? You know what? What I do right now is like awful. <laughs> right? Like, wh- think about it. Well, some people say. Well, 
not the best job in the world. People say, yeah, I like what I do. You know what kills me is when people in in their workplace say, you know what, you guys are the greatest team ever. Like, like you know, like this is my digital team or this is my agency team or whatever. You guys are the greatest ever. And I'm like, oh, ever? Oh, like, you, like you've done <laughs> the homework. Like there is no qualification. It's just... Just say it's you're really great, yeah. but the greatest team, best in the business. <laughs> best in oh, the you're business. best in the business? Are you? There's a guy who works with that MLSE who always said, these guys are the best in the business. I'm like, do you really know? Do you really know who the Nashville Predator, like, do you really think the best in the business? Uh, you did some interesting things for the Leafs, Raptors, TFC. Mm-hmm. Well, you were, I know what it says on your LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, but I have stuff on my LinkedIn in my terms of time. But what were you doing there? Well, I, um, I, uh, I spent a couple years doing my own thing after the edge and before MLSE. Okay. And I was that's having a big thinker. John yes, brand. Came that's in. right. And I was, I had some success. I, I wasn't certain that's the trouble. Like I didn't commit to being an entrepreneur. Mm. Like I had a toe in, I had a, like one foot in one foot out. Uh, I was always thinking about a safety net and that, that is automatic failure for an entrepreneur. Sure. So. I was doing well and I was creating uh, I was creating cool campaigns for some cool clients. Yeah. People that I worked with at the edge. That was like my client roster. People I worked with at the edge who just found me afterwards mm-hmm. and said, hey, um, uh, can you uh, our, I think our website sucks. Can you let me know? <laughs> like, yeah. does it? What's this Twitter thing? Can you help me out there? So it, it worked really well. I worked with some big nice. some cool clients, some big clients and uh, and had a good time. And then a couple friends of mine sent me this job posting um a, a few of them said about five let's say five people i don't remember it's a hundred percent but about five people sent me this job posting for mlse looking for like a social media person and a couple of them sent me it as a joke because the first lines they said like you'll appreciate read the first line and the first line of the posting said update the toronto maple leafs myspace page that was the first line in the posting <laughs> and so I just thought that wasn't real. There's no way because, you know, MySpace was already like a punchline. Yeah. Like, there's no way. And then, but it was, it was real. And then a couple of other friends of mine sent it to me and said, like, this is, I know you, and this might be a couple notches down in your, in your work career trajectory, but it might, this sounds like you would, you know, really do really well. So I reached out. We had conversations. It you was, told them to get rid of their MySpace account. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, that was, it had to be, well, you, I couldn't insult someone right to their face. I had to wait. I have to wait like a month, like a wooing phase, and then <laughs> b- boom, insult. <laughs> what were you thinking? So it worked out really well. Um, there was a, a, there was like, like a cobbles and pieces of a digital department there, but it wasn't really, everything wasn't really connected and yeah. wasn't really connected to the brand people and everything was kind of a little bit disjointed, even though, you know, everyone worked in the same building, but there was different floor or not in the same building. Actually, that was part of why yeah. there was a digital department that lived in another building, not the Air Canada Center. So yeah. it was all kind of over the map. And I saw, to, saw it t- twofold as a real opportunity to help build that collaboration and which which I felt didn't exist, although, you know, it might have in some form. And the second part was if I wanted to be if I wanted to build my digital profile, so to speak, what better brands to do that with than the Leafs, Raptors and Toronto FC? Sure. So so I got my hands in early, like I signed up all the accounts, like like yeah. all that. I started all that. The the um, the live game conversations, the uh, integration, you did like TML talk, yeah, all that RTZ. stuff, all that stuff back in yeah. the day, yeah, and it's a lot of it still exists today. It does, uh, and it's really cool to see. You know, we getting um, sponsors. You know, there's a guy named Joe there who works in the sales department who just works his you know works his tail off to get digital sponsorships, and we went from zero dollars to, well, I I don't know if it's right for me to say how much, but zero to a lot yeah. in a little amount of time. Uh, and because, you know, this guy, Joe was really trying to sell stuff and he didn't really know what to sell. So, so my radio instincts kicked in and it's like, okay, here you go. Um, this, this image we post at the end of the game that says what the score is. Yeah. 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 That's brought to you by speed stick or whatever. Right. Like we'll just slap a logo on it and that's worth X. Like I just, you know, it's like you're making it up and people were buying it and, and, and people were buying it and then asking for it. 
and demanding it and like wanting to be a part of the future the future pieces and the and the things we would do and it we saw it grow exponentially in a very short amount of time and uh i'm really proud of that kind of legacy to leave like we really oh, yeah. built something um <clears throat> the role of social and digital media you know as you're joining them as they're as they're trying to figure it out and bringing you on as someone you know who they thought was someone that could help them to get to that point what was you know for them and as them as a corporation what was the role that they were hoping that social and digital would play yeah you know that's interesting um in my first week, the president at the time was named Richard Petty. Yeah. And, a, a, you know, I know some people probably don't want to hear it, but a really good guy. Uh, a good guy, nice man, smart guy. Um, he, it was like my first week, and I'm in an office with him, and he was kind of asking me, like, those very questions. He's like, you know, as an organization, where do you think we should go? What do you think we should do? And I just laid out a little bit of, the, you know, what I thought should be the game plan and he was like that sounds great let's do it wow and uh if you need help with funding it or or um hitting any roadblocks in terms of uh you know getting buy-in or whatever other corporate term i think i can throw at you right now <laughs> if, if you need help with that just let me know and then if he was always there i'd say yeah this is a real challenge to get um you know videos made or something okay well you need a video team and then you know we'd go through the channels and there's a video team so we started with kind of a one-man social operation yeah. with a couple pieces. There was a website guy over there, and like there was little pieces, and a, maybe a graphic designer over there. And then we ended it as this like fully built vertical. So the Toronto Maple Leafs had, you know, this full team. This Raptors had the full squad, like people who lived and breathed the brand, yeah. and, and every one of them, from the gra from the graphic designer to the web guy to the social guy to the on-air host to all the people that had something to do with it. They all lived and breathed the brand. And you can't fit, like, I find it, I find it like such a challenge now when I hear, like, you run into an old friend and they're at an ad agency and they say, oh, I'm working on um, the dog food brand. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, you got dogs? Nope. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like, like, I know people can do the job without yeah. knowing it. Fair like, enough. how can, um, how can, a, like, how can not a parent sell goldfish? Like the little yeah, the, cracker snacks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like how can someone who's not a parent sell that? Unless you've, unless like you've been out with your child and you've been eating right out of their little thing with all the goldfish, like unless you're the, unless you've lived and breathed that, I, I don't know how you know it. And that's, I'm a big fan of people who have been in the trenches yeah. and rolled up their sleeves and really lived it to be able to speak intelligently about it. What? What was there in place when you started, and when you left, what did you leave behind? Well, the the end result was, like I touched on before, these kind of living and breathing verticals. So there was, you know, a web guy, a couple web guys, a couple graphic designers, talent to talk in front of a microphone, people to edit it, videographers. And these are like all digital. Like this is like living on yeah, yeah, MapleLeafs.com. Yes, but there was also at the time Leafs TV. So stuff would live ah. and breathe live on and, and Maple Leafs mobile too. So stuff and live and would live and breathe on all all like across multi platform, which was very important. You know, early on they were making one thing, it was on Leafs TV and then it was done. And so we were finding ways to like make it all possible, like across many platforms and, and it worked really well. And so leaving that behind, well, parts of that, and just just thinking like, it's the, it's the the ideal scenario. I felt like at the time I couldn't do any. The heavy lifting has been done. Yeah. Right. I can't do any more right now. Well, you know, s tweak and innovate and and and, you know, that's cool. But I needed a need. I needed a mount. Like I like looking at a mountain and saying, wow, oh, I gotta scale that now yeah. and then after scaling it you're like okay next mountain, mountain next mountain yeah yeah interesting uh is that why you left well it's i mean there's multiple versions of my of how <laughs> my device came to be but it wasn't for me anymore okay. and uh i really enjoyed it i built up the infrastructure i hired i hired a guy named sean for the toronto fc brand that i felt was the he's a terrific guy and i felt like he if asked to take over 
mm-hmm. there now there's somebody like I read somewhere uh, maybe Richard Branson maybe one of those guys like a a great leader is only a great leader after producing great leaders sure and although Sean was uber talented before me didn't really need me but I needed him yeah I needed him to come in and be the character the person I thought he could be because I I I knew my you know my 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 window was closing and I needed to exit stage left cool and you start selling beer mm. more than that well yeah I've I worked with um I worked with the guys who run the festival of Toronto's festival of beer for many years before during during MLSE so I've had a long relationship with them way back from my radio days because we were a radio sponsor of the Edge was the you know radio sponsor of one of the days of the okay. festival of beer and I always thought it was the best it was the best run event it was considering when you introduce alcohol to other events like concerts or picnics or whatever sure that's when the trouble happens and here you're starting you're starting with the starting trouble. with it and it's no trouble at all it's <clears throat> it's not it's a sampling event you get to discover new beer it's pretty incredible and it's it's so safe it's such a chill vibe it's a summer chill vibe it's amazing and i thought that for the last jeez i don't know 11 12 15 years that i've gone to the event yeah i can't even remember how long but a long time and i've always enjoyed it and then i always thought you know this is the type of event i'd like to be associated with really it's very it's very professional it's very polished it's it's like the little engine that could and these are the types of things that you know i wish i started it 20 plus years ago but i didn't so here i am part of it with the guys who did you were a tfc ticket holder before you started working on that's MLC. right and yeah. you were a fan of the beer festival before you started and and i can't stress it enough like if like I've been sitting in um, like job interviews with people, right? Saying, like, listen, if you want somebody who could sell, like, who could market and brand bleach, and or do this, like, someone who has that skill set to do that or that, then I'm a thousand percent not your guy. Like, I've talked my way out of, yeah, of of like I'm he- I'm only here because I'm into it. Like there's only certain things that I'm into and and the beer festival I was into that. Beer, I'm into that. Yeah. The sport uh, Leafs, Raptors, TFC, I'm into that. The radio station, The Edge, I was into that. Flow, I was into that. You know, and I can't uh, I can't think like I have to like like I said it off the top, I have to kind of passionately be in love with the thing the, or the brand or the and and the, those those relationships don't last a lifetime. They can't. Yeah. Like I'll always cheer f- for the Leafs, but now I know what it's like behind the behind the scenes, behind yeah. the curtain. I don't need to. Uh, I don't need to experience that again. I helped build it fr- from from where it was to to where I left it. I felt like really catapulted them from you know bo- bottom of the league in many cat- categories to top of the league in most categories. Mm-hmm. So. It's like the heavy lifting. I like the heavy lifting a lot. Yeah. Interesting. You've turned 40 or you're turning 40? I have already. You've yeah. turned 40. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the club. <laughs> um, you don't look it, man. Look, you're so you useful. Look at me. Some, somebody t- <laughs> take a selfie. Show everybody. Sure, I'll do that. <laughs> we'll take, when we're done, we'll take, yeah, we'll take yeah, a sure. shot. Um, but you, I, you wrote a blog post mm-hmm. um, celebrating your birthday, but also... Um, wanting to for lack of a better term maybe this is the right term give back yeah um talk to me about that how's well, that coming along what what, what have you done it's what are com- you doing it's coming along fine it's a yeah. lot harder than i thought yeah the the but i will start of kind of the genesis of the idea i kept seeing people in my feeds like people i'm i guess friends with in, sure. in, in, that that i follow or i choose to follow and i guess i could choose to unfollow but it's always about them everything's about them and and it's like, it just, I was kind of at like a boiling you know, point one day where it's like, oh, look here, I'm, I'm, I'm having this birthday party and I'm doing this and it's me, yeah. me, me, and I'm going out and I'm doing this and I'm in that jet and I'm going to that game and I'm, and I'm courtside of that game and it's me, me, me. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I just said to myself, like, that is just the, you know, that's the worst way to be. Hmm. And how can I make it not about me? 
I want to do something good, but I don't want it to be about me. I guess one, you know, one school of thought is just start doing stuff. But on the other hand, I didn't know where to find stuff. Okay. Okay. So I can't just back channel, ask people like, Hey man, can I help you out? Like, what are you doing? Can I help you out? Yeah. So I made it public yeah. in a me, me, me fashion, but yeah. I, it was all ac- about helping other people. Small to medium-sized businesses. I called it Impact 40. Yeah. The the premise was I'm going to put it out there a couple times, get a whole bunch of stuff on my plate, work with, on it in my spare time, uh, and tr- try to fill – time and weekends and stuff when i'm not you know busy with doing all all, other things and try to try to make something of it and you know help somebody small who can't afford um you know an ad agency or a creative team or or something like that so taking your skills to help and i don't really have many skills which is crazy but (laughs) but i thought you know i've had a i've had a pretty decent career I've really moved the needle that's an old man term kareem it's called moving the needle moving the needle yeah so i really moved the needle with um, with the brands I did work with. And I thought, well, I can do that kind of with anybody. Yeah. And then when I was on my own for a couple of years, I could do it with anybody. And why can't I do it with the people that really, really need it? And funny enough, I had to, the onslaught of big brands that reached out privately, and I'm not going to name names or, or anything like that, but that was like so disappointing. They caught, they missed the, the, gist of the whole thing so big corporation was looking hey john why don't you help us yeah and that was like rather than pay you know that's the feeling i got anyways it yeah. was, why don't we do this rather than pay anyone to do it why don't we ask you yeah. and i was like no you're a little big you know you're you're you have the money yeah you you can you have an in-house team you could do lots of stuff so i started doing some stuff for some smaller people sometimes it's a phone call sometimes it's uh okay you know with a co- uh, with um, uh, one company, it was man, it was every once a week uh, s- um, Skype meetings that culminated in an event, yeah. and it's like that was like a real drain on my time, mm. and we're going through a real busy period too. It was a drain on my time because I wasn't expecting it to be that um, busy. But long story short, it's going okay. I'm way behind. Okay. Was and there I, a certain number of and I, yeah, I was going to I was going to talk to 40 people. Okay. And and I'm not quite there. So I need maybe I can make an all call right now through your podcast, but I'm also going to post it on social channels and yeah. stuff. And it's like I want to help. And if you're a small to medium size specifically charity, yeah, that needs another set of eyes on something or needs a fresh thought on something or just needs someone to you know think about your brand a little bit. That's what I'm trying to do, and that's what I'm trying to do this year. Nice, mm-hmm. awesome. You know, there's 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 a lot of smart people in the city. There's a lot of a lot of uh, organizations, nonprofits, charities, people that want to sort of, like you say, move the needle. Yeah, get over that hump. Uh, that, in all honesty, I think uh, would be uh, better off picking a brain like yours. Um, what do you think of that term, picking a brain? I just read a neat thing about how it's not like it's not cool. What do you think of that term, though? <laughs> I think it's I think it's a cool term because yeah. really there's stuff in your brain that can only get out there because you don't know what, for example, you don't know necessarily know what I need or want unless I tell you, unless you pick my brain uh, by asking me those questions so that I can then give you some of that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. Know, what books are you reading that they said that's not a good term? Books, come on, man. Who reads books? <laughs> tweets. Okay, yeah, what tweets yeah. are you? Man, who reads tweets anymore now? Yeah, it's too long. <laughs> <laughs> not the platform. Do you tell me? Um, how's this? What do you? What? How's your pod? How? Tell me about this podcast. Tell me about the life of it, the life cycle of it, and what? What have you enjoyed the most so far? This. Yeah. Just talking. I, I hate taking this. And then putting it online. I mean, I still haven't. I have figured out. So someone we know in common, uh, Mike Boone. Oh, yeah. Um, he's going to be, just let me tell you, yeah. he's not going to be happy that I'm here talking to you and not him. And not him. That's been like years. L- like you said, yeah. he he's talked to like the big movers and shakers. Yeah. And you talk to the lessers. And, and I'm talking to the people that actually yeah. do the work, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, Mike and I, actually, funny story. The He's dropped your name dozens of times on his show. 
Oh, he's a great guy. Yeah. Yeah. He, when we were on the, working on the, uh, when I was at the edge working on with Dean, Dean Blundell and the, the gang at the, at the edge, he was like, for whatever reason, like, like not well liked. And to me, it was incredible that somebody was online. Not well liked at the radio station? By the morning show. It just wasn't, okay. maybe he wrote some things. I don't even know what yeah, they yeah. talked about, but I knew that Mike, in my eyes, he was putting his life out there on, on, on blast. Yeah. Like, it was the first kind of blog I remember. Yeah. Like him and Ramey and a couple others are yeah. like the first blogs that I remember. Yeah. Um, and I was always like, how in the world are you posting your life mm-hmm. in this, in, on this channel right now? It's crazy. And like real life stuff. And so I reached out to him when I was at the edge thinking, this could be a real fruitful relationship and it never really went anywhere. But I thought that type of life giving, like giving these details about your life and, and, uh, and just documenting stuff, even the non, even the stuff that's, I went to center Island today, even the stuff that's not even like, yeah, you know, it's still fascinating to read about somebody at that time. Now everyone's kind of doing it, but but at that time, so I I had this vision and I pitched it to the powers that be at the edge. It's like, we need to document real situations in real life and not talk about um you know well i was at this uh i was backstage at mumford and sons yeah like like the unattainable we need to be we don't need to be aspirational we need to be like part of the real fabric of how how people talk and act and what the things are that they do yeah and we're not that at all like we were we were elitist we were trying to be something we weren't and i really like toronto mike's blog because of that because he just you know, he just talked about things. Yeah. And the funny thing that I find with his blog and his podcast is in a weird way, I'm kind of connected to everybody. Like he has the radio people on. I'm connected to all those people. Yeah. And then he has the sports people on and I'm kind of connected to those people. It's yeah. really strange yeah, yeah. when I'm li- like when I'll listen to some of his and I'll be like in a Venn diagram. Like you're right there. Yeah. Like in the middle. It's so strange. And he always joked like. He always said, you got to come on, you got to come on. And that's like early, early. Yeah. And I'm like, no, nah, you know what? I, I'm i not exciting enough. You got all these like exciting people. <laughs> Talk to them. They're like fascinating. Yeah. And listen to their radio stories. It's great. And then the more I listen, like he's, I think he's at his best when he's talking to the people who are behind the scenes. Yeah. You know, like, like yeah. getting the, okay, well, when this happened, what was, what was this? Yeah. You know, and instead of just, uh, oh, so you talked on the radio for five years. Tell me about it. Yeah. You know, and I think that's kind of cool. Nice. But forget about him. We're, ta- we're talking about your. We're talking about your blog. So, so I mean, this is not even on iTunes yet. <laughs> yet, the goal is to get it there. And and sure. I always thought it was like a huge production endeavor to do that. Uh, but I figured out it's not so much. It just takes a little bit of time. So I've gone from, um, you know, having this on 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 Mixcloud to yeah. hopefully, uh, before the J season is over, it'll be up on iTunes. But I, I just, in all honesty, John, just enjoy listening yeah. to people uh, and, and what they've done. And, um, you know, when I used to do this back in 2010 for the first time, it was all about social media because that was the cool thing back then. And then when I got approached to do this again, uh, it got, you know, why don't you talk about social media? And I said, listen, I do that to make money. Um, I don't want to do that 24-7. Yeah. There's only so much I can talk. Um, you know, it's not one of those things that I'm wearing a Twitter sweater every day like you're wearing the beer shirt every yeah, day. Yeah. Um, but I just enjoy listening. Yeah. And, and um, yeah. Well, it's funny because we've known each other a while now. Yeah. And every time we see each other, we have these amazing conversations. Yeah. And I probably use more F-bombs and stuff. In like, yes. And, and you don't because you're pretty clean cut that <laughs> way. But, but F you, man. So the the... Yeah, I think that translates well, and hopefully it translates well now to yeah, to what so. people are are hearing. Because, I mean, can we we've do always this got again along. without mics? Like, we'll just sit yeah, and yeah. chat. No, seriously. Well, we've always got along, and yeah. and I've always respected. Like, you've always been in the middle of things. You know what I mean? Like, like I'm almost expecting. It's almost <laughs> Kareem like, is somewhere. Yeah, he's almost <laughs> expecting uh, one of the five creams that I like <laughs> to be in the middle of something. Yeah. But the the. Um, it's cool to see like when you were doing your own thing and yeah. And even before that, when, when we're growing, remember the first podcast or pod camp that we met at, like that's geez, right. a decade ago or yeah. something, right? Yeah, like crazy yeah. long time ago. And you're wearing a ridiculous shirt 
And we started that. We started that. La- yeah. That's right. And that was so much fun. And I to see. I should have worn that shirt today. No, you shouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> like never. <laughs> I st- that's my go-to shirt. Oh, I that's love it. that shirt should probably be burned. I love it. The whole idea of that's the cool thing now and how we're all connected is that we actually see each other grow. Yeah. Like we see each other get older. We see each other have families. We see each other uh, just, just evolve. Yeah. You know, it's super cool. And this happens like on so many levels with so many people that sometimes you don't even know them, Mm -hmm. you know, and you, I could like, I could call up or text or something and like, you could like, we know each other that way, but so it's cool to see it happening. And now you're doing this and it's, it's really good. Listen, thanks for everything. This is. Uh, I wish I could tell you some really good stories, but I'm kind of, I'm kind of, <laughs> I'm kind of fresh out. I don't <laughs> have anything good. No, th- that's yeah. why I said let's. We'll do this off, off. I would yeah. say off camera, but off mic. Oh man, there's this one guy I really hate. He's the <laughs> worst. I'm gonna tell you all about him. After these messages. Yeah, right. Thanks for coming in, John. Cheers. <laughs>